Um, can you um uh, say the time again? I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. Lorita Mellon. Niha Banger. Here, present. Lucia Angel. Um, here. Thank you, Lucia. Thank you. B. Franks Walker. Richard Harvey Jr. Present. Eric Murphy will not join us tonight. Mark Smith. Khalil Toki. Present. Ali Yesen. Present. We have a quorum. You're, you're muted. Um, Chair, would you like me to jump into the first um, item of business? Item A. Madam Chair, can you hear me? No, yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. Okay, sorry about that. Can you hear me now if I move a little closer? Yeah, it's a little better, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I was asking if you'd like me to just jump in to item number A. Sure. Great, thank you. That would be fine. Thank you, Kayla. Yeah, no problem. Well, good evening, everyone. As some of you may remember, at last month's meeting, um, nominations were made for the chair and vice chair of the co-applicant board. Um, for the bylaws, the December meeting following that meeting um, is where we officially elect the from the nominated candidates to the chair and vice chair. In November, there was only one individual elected or nominated for the chair and one individual nominated for the vice chair. Um, so I propose that we make a motion on each rather than doing a vote since there's only one candidate and I'll go through it one by one. Uh, so for the chair, um, there was one nomination, which is our current chair, um, Madam Chair Loretta Medellin. And I would invite a motion to officially elect um, Loretta to the chair for the year 2022, which will officially begin on January 1st and will end December 31st, 2022. Uh, this is I, yeah, I motion. Go ahead, Lucia. Sorry, I said I motion to approve uh, Loretta as our chair for this 2022 year. I second that motion. Okay, now that it's been seconded, we do a roll call. 
Jed, do you mind doing a roll call, please? Oh, I'm oh. sorry. Um, no. Lorena Mellon? That's it. Yeah, Nate? It's, uh, <laughs> it's not, um, uh, sorry. Um, it's to approve the motion to make Loretta the chair. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> no problem. You, you, and yes, you can, you can agree to nominate yourself. That's fine. <laughs> or elect yourself. Niha Banger? I agree to the motion. Lucia Angel? B. Franks Walker, Richard Harvey, yay, Mark Smith, Khalil Yatoki, yay, Ali Yesen, yay. Uh, All right, the motion has been approved, so, or, I guess you're the chair, so, congratulations, um, Loretta, you're in 2022. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, moving on to vice chair, the single nomination was for Richard Harvey. Um, so, again, if anyone would like to make a motion to approve um, that appointment. Make a motion to approve Richard Harvey as uh, vice chair. 2022 calendar year. I second that motion. Okay, Brenda, could you please do a roll call on the motion? Yes. Lorita Mallon? That's it. Niha Banger? I, uh, I agree. Lucia Angel? B. Franks Walker, Witcher Harvey Jr., Yay. Mark Smith, Khalil Toki, oh, yeah. Ali Yesen, Yay. great. Well, congratulations, Chair Harvey. You will be the vice chair in 2022, beginning on January 1st. And that hey. agenda item A. Congratulations, Congratulations everyone. Thank you. Hey, um, hope everyone is in good health and doing well. Very cold weather we've been having. Um, I don't really have anything new to report right now. But uh, I, I have been thinking a lot about our homeless people right now um, being so cold and a lot of them are so unsheltered and it's, uh, it's been pretty heavy on my heart. Um, hopefully things are, are um, coming together for some of these programs that we've talked about. Money's coming in, hopefully that's, that's what I really hope happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Um, I would like to make a motion um, for the approval of the minutes from our November meeting. Okay. 
I, board member Herbie, moved to accept the meeting uh, minutes from the month of November. I second that motion. Thank you. Can we please do a roll call on the motion? Just one second. Do we want to do the consent agenda as a full agenda, or are we actually taking these three items uh, separately? Do we want to do? Do we want to approve all three of them together? I think if, if the co-applicant, if there's no member who wants to discuss the items individually, um, okay, we're able to to approve the consent agenda in it, through a single vote in its entirety. I believe if, if Kayla thinks that's okay. Right, that's correct. If no one would like to discuss, you can ask to approve all three. Okay. I motion to approve the consent agenda, which is the approval of minutes from our November meeting and the adoption of the res resolution of authorizing remote teleconferencing. And, oh, Brenda. Sorry, Brenda, can you go back to your page? Thank you. And um, the approval of the 2022 CAB meeting calendar. Um, I motion to approve all three items. I second. Now can we have a roll call on the motion, please? Lorita Mallon? <laughs> Niha Banger? Agree. Lucia Angel? Yes, agree. B. Franks Walker? Richard Harvey Jr. Yay. Mark Smith. Aye. Khalil Toki. Yay. Ali Yesen. Yay. The consent agenda is approved. Um, <clears throat> let's go on to item D, which is our Thanks so much. Sorry for being a little bit late here. I was trying to get back from the clinic so I could guarantee the light um, stayed on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just have three quick items I wanted to update you all about. Um, the first is that um, I do plan to bring the uh, strategic plan back for approval um, in the next meeting. Um, we've had a bunch of discussion on that the last few meetings, and I just wanted to let you all know that I'm going to send out um, the version of that um, via email to, to all of you in between meetings um, so that you have a chance to, to review it. But we've had plenty of discussion, so I wasn't planning to, to do much more of that. Um, the second item is that the Healthcare for the Homeless Medical Director um, has uh, resigned, who was recently hired, has resigned actually. Um, so it was Dr. Tyler Evans who was in the role for, I think, uh, about three months. Um, 
his uh, he had a startup organization that he was also a part of and had founded that um, received some funding and decided to focus his attention on that organization. And so, unfortunately, that role is vacant again. Um, it's been vacant for um, most of most of the time I've been um, in in this role here. So for the past two two and a half years um, since Dr. Steele was in the role, we've had Harrison Alter who was. Uh, there part-time as a, as a interim, and then Dr. Evans, who was there for a little bit. Um, so, you know, that just means that um, our healthcare for the homeless colleagues are going to continue to need a lot of coverage. I hadn't yet handed off the clinical oversight um, coverage that I was doing for the Operation Room Key um, and Operation Home Key Hotel. So I'm still supporting the medical directors there. Um, in that role, and um, I expect I'll probably be doing that now for at least another six months and potentially potentially longer than that. Um, and I think um, it might you know it might mean that we're reconsidering um, what the structure of the clinical oversight of the county program looks like, you know within our community, um, just given how long that role was vacant for and how we had someone who was only in the position for a few months. Um, so I anticipate we'll be bringing that back for more discussion, um, you know, in this conversation. I think potentially for you to learn a little bit more since I've been doing this coverage responsibility for a year now, it probably is something that we should, you know, treat more like it's a standard part of what we do rather than just the coverage responsibility. And I think um, you all would love to meet, you know, Alexis and Katie, if you haven't in your, you know, some of you, you know, may have met them already in your other roles like Khalil. Um, but I think it'd be great if they can actually come and formally present what's happening at the room key sites from their perspective. And you all can learn a little bit about, you know, the relationship that, that Heather and I have with them and, and the support we've been, we've been giving to them, uh, since it seems like that's going to continue for a while. So any questions or comments on, on that before I just provide one more quick update? Uh, yes. Um, this is Mark. I, I had a question. Um, are, are you saying this should come up for discussion uh, before uh, we ever consider posting uh, for that position again? Or are you saying that, or will the, let me put it another way, uh, would would that position be posted uh, anyway, and in the interim we discuss whether or not we want to change the structure um, before someone actually uh, is hired? So to be clear, that position is a county position, not a Alameda Health System position. Um, it's the medical director of the Healthcare for the Homeless program. It's the position I used to occupy, and then following me, it was Jeffrey Seal for a few years, um, okay. and then it's been vacant. So that we don't have any decision-making role in in that position at all. Um, although you know we certainly work closely in in collaboration with Healthcare for the Homeless, and you know they certainly. Um, want to know what we think about about you know how we collaborate with that position um, because it's been vacant for so long. I had been providing some clinical oversight to the um, operation or project room key um, and project home key um, hotel sites that was intended to be short term, but now it's turned into long term. So all I'm saying is mainly that I think. Because it's become long-term, it seems something, and it's, it's part of now my responsibilities over the long-term, and I do work for AHS, that it is something that you all should probably hear more about and know more about. Um, and, you know, I think we'll, we'll be involved as, you know, thought partners and provide input to the county process, but that's going to be their decision about what they decide to do with the, the, the county medical director role. I see. Okay. 
Damon, are both of those programs still uh, in effect, the Rimkey and the Humkey? Yeah, there are, um, you know, ongoing changes always to the room key project based upon um, how much funding is extended, both from federal and state sources for what periods of time. And so um, the plans change pretty regularly, and the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination updates their website every now and then to show, um, you know, how long particular individual sites, you know, there are sites in different cities and how long they'll be extended, when they're going to open and close applications for those sites. So as a reminder, those are the sites for people who are at high risk of complications from COVID, um, who you know have in, an interim housing. It's not a permanent housing solution. It's also not short-term shelter, though. It's the kind of place where people are staying from anywhere from a few months to actually up to a year on their way somewhere else. And then there's Project Home Key, which is actually permanent supportive housing that's typically been converted from a room key site. And those sites are permanent. So the county um, is, yeah. you know, operating those those sites permanently. Um, so those are those are the, that's the distinction between room key and home key. And and we know that the home key ones they're planning to, you know, operate in perpetuity. But is the room key still uh, partially being funded or totally being funded by the COVID relief money? You know, I don't know the, the particular. I don't know the particularities of the funding. I think Carrie did answer some questions in relation to that when she came to this cooperative board meeting. And um, if you're interested, we can, you know, we can um, uh, find out some of that information and, and bring that back to a future meeting. I'm just curious. The things are things keep changing, you know, as variant changes. <laughs> you know, it's just nothing is um, set in stone right now. Yeah, so I'll send that question to um, to Director Abbott at the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination, um, who oversees those sites, and see if we can get a picture of the funding over time. Yeah. They also do operate a website and have a newsletter that goes out. Um, and so that's the other thing I can do is just when I share out um, the most updated version of the strategic plan, I can also share in that email to you all the OHCC website and how to sign up for the newsletter. Oh, that would be great. So the last update I, I wanted to provide is that um, in January, um, we will be doing a homeless count, actually, um, you know, barring anything strange with the virus. Um, so usually these were done in January of odd numbered years. Um, but because of, uh, you know, the, the pandemic last year, um, it was felt that it wasn't worth it to conduct the count um, and put, you know, the safety of uh, a number of volunteers and people in the community at risk. But this year, um, there are plans to move forward with the count across the country, including here in Alameda County. Um, and uh, Everyone Home is, again, partnering with uh, a few other organizations to conduct the count. And um, for those of you who are interested in volunteering, um, they are um, soliciting volunteers through their website. So you guys, um, if you're interested, I can also send out the Everyone Home website, actually, in, uh, in that email. Um, for anyone who's interested in, you know, just learning more about the homeless count this year and or participating. It's on a Tuesday, um, as always. And um, unless there's any questions about that, that'll conclude my report. Damon, you're cutting out a little bit. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, did you get the substance of the idea that the homeless count is happening on a Tuesday in January? 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. You, you just, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, this is Heather. I think that um, primarily it may be Loretta. It might be your internet. Um, folks have been very clear so far. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, any, that's all for me unless there's any questions. Yeah, that's all I've got. I do have one question. How do they, um, how do they do the count? Is it by the encampments? And if that's the way they do it, what happens to all these other ones that aren't in, not part of an encampment, but are still homeless? There's a lot of information on the Everyone Home website about um, about how the count is done. Um, so it used to be primarily a sampling methodology, and now really they do their best to try to um, collect evidence of you know every last person that's possible. But there's a lot there's a lot I, more detail there that I think um, you know I can I can point you to as I send out the Everyone Home website. Okay. Um, I can point you to where the the information is about how the count's conducted. Okay, that's good, thank you. But it isn't, it isn't, the short answer is it isn't just the encounter. <laughs> people are looking good. for people who are parked in cars, et cetera. Yeah, because I noticed in San Diego, um, it's growing extensively in um, the parking lots of the supermarkets and little cubby holes of the banks and, you know, it's, it's definitely growing. Okay. Can you, um, I'm sorry, what you want me to do? Go to the next page, please. Okay. Can you hear me? Substance use disorder treatment services 
um, and that's providing that service to people experiencing homelessness, um, but isn't yet, um, you know, for just strange reasons that have to do with how, you know, our health center has evolved, it isn't yet included on our scope. And as you all know, it's a key part of our strategic plan to provide some support to the Bridge Clinic to expand the scope of services that we can provide on a drop-in um, basis, potentially including at the at the Bridge Clinic. And so this is one of the steps in the process to get us there, um, which will you know allow us to include this in the health center scope, and then um, also hopefully allow us to be able to bill at um, you know federally qualified health center rates, which are much better rates than what we currently are able to bill for the service. Um, so I think this should be, you know, I'm anticipating it's fairly non-controversial, but definitely happy to, you know, ask any, answer any questions that, that you all have to ask at this point. I only have one question about, about this is, this is Mark. Um, I just have one question in, in general, given the fact that the numbers have risen of the homeless, um, population that served at the bridge clinic, um, is the Bridge Clinic actually equipped to handle um, um, the increase in um, uh, the inc increase in um, the people being served there? And is there anything that the Bridge Clinic doesn't have that it may need um, if we were to approve this, and it comes under that same umbrella? Uh, uh, do they have um, everything that they need and the kind of support that they're going to need um, going forward? Um, to make that work for them? Um, I think the short answer is that the Bridge Clinic leadership, you know, Dr. Herring, who came and presented here, definitely um, will be requesting more resources to support the, the growing um, demand for services in the Bridge Clinic and the growing need for services across the system. Um, so in particular, I think we um, will be requesting additional and are in the middle really of requesting additional provider FTE. Um, Again, that's now you know a process that is outside of our but has been outside of our pro budget process, and we'll have to figure out a way for that to be something that comes through here at the at the homeless health center, um, Mark. But um, I, I I do expect that you'll you'll see the you know specific requests as they come up over the next year. In addition to adding provider FTE, um, I think the Bridge Clinic will benefit from you know additional um, uh, management roles. So currently. The community health worker roles, which are called substance use navigators there, um, are supervised by Dr. Herring, which is um, not common usually to have a physician leader that's doing that supervision. And I think it's a, it's an artifact of the, the origins of the Bridge Clinic as, you know, primarily a, a research and kind of grant funded project. Um, but we all anticipate also requesting, you know, additional management staff in the clinic uh, to support the the growing patient population and the growing complexity of the of the needs of the clinic, but I think we'll we'll be back here um, definitely for for more specific requests um, in connection with the with the Bridge Clinic moving forward. That's a great question. Okay, and 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 based on what you just said, um, uh, I would imagine at some point uh, we're going to possibly look at changing the structure slightly uh, in terms of. Um, in terms of um, basically hiring or uh, uh, or reporting somebody as as an overall manager as opposed to um, uh, the, the current uh, doctor who's who's uh, supervising it now. Yes.
So that'll be a new position for us. There, there are, there's at least one whole new position and there's additional FTE that's part of a request, but that's not the request I'm making right now. And that you'll be able to see that in detail later. So I think, you know, that in order for us to be able to be involved in that, we need to approve the submission of the scope change right now. Otherwise the rest of this, the rest of these questions are kind of moot <laughs> because it won't, be, it won't be part of the homeless health center scope. Okay. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. Okay. Um, Well, I, I, I make the motion, unless there's further discussion, um, uh, I move that we uh, adopt the changes in scope and grant the request. I second it. Okay, I'm going to do... I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to do roll call. Loretta Mallon? Present. Niha Banger? Lucia Angel? B. Franks Walker? Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Mark Smith? Aye. Khalil Toki? Yes. Ali Yesen? Yes. The motion passed? Thank you. So now we're going to go on to item F, which now it's uh, Kimberly Miranda. We'll be talking about the finance report. Hey, good evening, everybody. Um, we have invited Moss Adams. They are the audit firm that um, does the health system audit, and they've also done the single audit. Um, uh, so we've invited them to speak on this topic uh, to you. So I see John. There he is. <laughs> uh, maybe, John, you can introduce yourself, and then uh, I'll, we'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, hi, everyone. My name is John Penai. I'm a senior manager um, in, in the assurance practice, the, the, the our healthcare industry um, here at Moss Adams. Um, as Kimberly mentioned we are the auditors for the, the health system. Uh, we did audit the, the year end of June 30, 2020, and also the related single audit for the year end of June 2020. And uh, one of the major programs that was involved in that single audit was the Healthcare for the Homeless program. And um, I was asked tonight to come and provide an overview of that single audit and also to uh, share the, 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 the single finding that we had as a result of that single audit. Um, may I share my screen? Yes. John. Okay, sounds good, thank you. Don't want to, so let's see if we can't figure this out here. Mm -hmm. Slideshow. Let's see if this works now. All right. What do you see? Do you see the slideshow or the the introduction page, or do you see kind of the overall screen view? The overall screen view. 
but we see the slideshow within that view, right? I think we see your, your, your view that you see. Okay. The agenda that I've got here for you today is just to, you know, a brief overview for the single audit process, the uh, healthcare for the homeless grant, the actual compliance procedures, the audit procedures that we focused on, and then to discuss the the, the program finding. Um, before I move on to that, I would like to acknowledge um, Heather and her team, um, but especially Heather and also uh, Ann Metzger in their support of providing um, all the resources and uh, support for the single audit. Um, Heather, I can't say enough good things about uh, how quickly she responded to the request to enter into the single audit and uh, provide support in a timely manner. Um, we were able to get through all the support um, in, in relatively uh, quick fashion. Um, sometimes these audits can go on for, for quite a period of time, especially programs that don't get audited every year, um, as this program is not audited every year. So uh, again, a, a, a big thank for you to, to Heather and to, to Anne and her teams. Okay, moving on. So real briefly, just wanted to kind of cover the single audit process. Uh, I'm not sure the, the level of exposure or experience with, with single audits with this, uh, with this group, and so I thought I would briefly cover that. So the Single Audit Act of 1984 is pretty much what established single audits for um, states, local governments, and tribes. It was an effort to standardize the audit process. Um, it has been amended over the years. There was an amendment in 1990, which created the Circular A133, which for all of your colleagues who operate not-for-profit organizations, um, this Single Audit Act was extended to include those folks as well. And then again in 2013, there was a major amendment that pretty much transformed the, the terminology and uh, combined a few of the compliance requirements. Uh, we commonly refer to it as the uniform guidance, but it is codified in QCFR Part 200 um, as managed by the OMB. The 2020 compliance supplement as amended is the compliance supplement that's in effect for the health systems year end June 30, 2020. And it was, uh, it was issued in August of 2020 and then had a subsequent amendment to it in 2020. Uh, that amendment came out in December. That December amendment was primarily focused on uh, CARES Act funding, provider relief, coronavirus, um, FEMA, a lot of those uh, assistance listings and federal programs weren't included in the uh, original August 2020 listing. The original 2020 compliance supplement did not change when the amendment came out for the Healthcare for the Homeless program. So we audited and performed our audit in accordance with the original 2020 compliance supplement. Um, each year, the health system 
determines if a single audit is needed. They provide us with their schedule of expenditures of federal awards, and that's where we begin our audit process. Uh, we first work with management to evaluate have they exceeded that threshold requiring a single audit. The health system exceeds this threshold every year since Moss Adams has been involved starting in 2016. Um, one of the large programs, the Medi-Cal Administrative Activities Program, um, at least in 2020, had roughly $4 million of that program. And that minimum threshold to enter into a single audit is $750,000. So it's pretty pretty simple and uh, straightforward to understand that the health system is going to have a single audit. But then we get to determination of the, the major programs, and that's not quite so simple. It's a, it's a process of first dollar thresholds and then some risk thresholds based on the health system's 2020 FIFA or the schedule of expenditures of federal awards. Um, as auditors, we determined that there would be uh, two major programs that would need to get audited in 2020. The first of those programs, as I mentioned, is that Medi-Cal Administrative Activities Program. Uh, Department of uh, Health and Human Services mandates that if that program is above that threshold, it is to be audited as a high-risk program every single year. So that one's automatically always on the table uh, until the uh, compliance supplements were to deem that gets taken off of the table. The other program that was selected this year through the course of, uh, you know, risk assessments and things like that was determined to, uh, we chose the healthcare for the homeless program. There really wasn't any, uh, you know, major uh, point that steered us towards this program. One of the criteria is um, not having been audited in the last two years. That certainly qualified for this program. Another uh, criteria is, uh, you know, oversight, uh, Longevity of the program, is it a new program, is it an old program, or a, you know, a, an existing program? Um, one of the things that led us to this was um, some understanding of how the, the reporting um, is entered into each year, um, or excuse me, each month. And so that's really what drove us to select this program, because during the, the process, um, there was some inclusion of some uh, non-federal dollars in the original schedule of expenditures of federal awards. As we dug deeper um, in concert with, with Heather and also Ann, um, we determined that there were some, it was about $100,000 that didn't belong on the schedule of expenditures of federal awards. That did pull the total dollars below that $750,000 threshold. But having identified that there was some mischaracterizations, um, certainly it made sense to, to continue forward and uh, keep this uh, program on the schedule for uh, the audit in 2020. The Healthcare for the Homeless program is part of the Health Center program cluster. That's a cluster of programs um, or designed by uh, Department of Health and Human Services where there's simil similar characteristics. Um, Alameda Health System doesn't have any of the other programs involved in this cluster, but when the reporting comes out, we do identify um, and agree with management's identification of this program as part of this Health Center program cluster. Uh, thinking of compliance requirements, there are 12 compliance requirements that uh, are available to be selected by um, HHS, Department of Health and Human Services. Um, in 2020, there were six applicable compliance supplement requirements that we performed procedures in accordance with the, um, the, the uniform guidance. And then uh, to round this out, uh, 
we're required as auditors to both understand the internal controls that are in place over the program, as well as test the compliance with the in accordance with the compliance supplement. Moving on to just the program itself and the, the procedures that we perform. So those six compliance requirements, we organize within these three different tests. The first of these three tests is participant testing. Um, as you can imagine, there are uh, a large population of participant encounters or patient encounters that the mobile health clinic is uh, providing service towards. And so we um, ended up selecting 40 participant encounters to evaluate. Uh, we look at the, uh, the patient encounter forms, the notes being taken by the clinicians, um, all being uh, organized within the health system's EPIC system. Uh, we didn't find any compliance findings as it relates to that testing. The next set of tests was the payroll testing. Um, payroll, as you can imagine, is the, uh, the most direct and material uh, amount of expenditures related to this program. There are a few uh, non-direct and material expenditures, uh, expenses, some maintenance, things like that. But in our audit procedures, we determined that those expenditures were not considered to be direct and material. So we didn't actually focus our, our testing procedures on those uh, individual expenditures. We focused our testing on the payroll. Um, there are uh, six employees that were active in the program during fiscal year 2020. And so given a biweekly payroll cycle, uh, we determined that the appropriate sample size here would be to test six employees throughout those 26 um, biweekly pay periods, uh, looking for appropriate period, are they organized into the appropriate department, are they split departments, things like that. And we did not find any uh, issues with the payroll being expended uh, on this program. Then moving on to monthly invoice testing, as you can imagine, there are 12 monthly invoices. Uh, the program specifically calls out and requests or requires that uh, the actual expenditures be involved in the process of the monthly invoice. And this is where um, I'm going to move on to the next slide, where we uh, discovered uh, our compliance findings. Um, the reimbursements or the, the program itself and the contract with the county requires that the, the reimbursement of actual costs be uh, invoiced to the county in an amount not to exceed one, tw one twelfth of the contract amount. That's what I've defined there in that criteria. Um, as I mentioned, we selected and sampled three of the monthly invoices. And uh, what we found is that the monthly invoice was just one twelfth of the budget. There wasn't an actual reconciliation of the monthly invoice occurring on a monthly basis where we could identify um, the actual expenditures from the, the health system general ledger for this particular program were being reconciled against that monthly expenditure to make sure that uh, more than one twelfth wasn't being expended. Now, since one twelfth of the budget was being invoiced, um, what that means is that there could have been um, a period, a month or two, where there were less expenditures in a month that would have been invoiced to the county. And then what that means is that in the twelfth invoice of the calendar year, because this is a calendar year contract that uh, this program has with the county, in that twelfth 
month, so the, the December month, there would be a true up invoice that would be uh, submitted to the county for any expenditures that had accumulated um, amounts above and beyond the above and beyond the contract, but not to exceed the contract total for particular areas like payroll or the expenditures that I mentioned. Um, we did work with, with Heather and her team uh, to reconcile the actual invoices, the actual expenditures over the two particular contract periods. As I mentioned, it, it's a calendar year contract, and so we were specifically looking at the six months ended 2019 and the first six months beginning your 2020 contract. And so working with the two teams, working on the total reconciliations for the end of 2019, and then what were the reconciliations for the first six months of 2020. And what we found is that uh, there was a, a question cost of $5,649, which we reported. Um, in our audit evaluations, the, the concept of materiality versus significant efficiency, we evaluate the magnitude of these matters. Um, since it is a control finding and that there wasn't a reconciliation being performed in accordance with the contract, it pretty much is going to rise to the level of the of a significant efficiency at that point, but because over the course of one year with management managing the contract, the overall question costs weren't material to the program, and so therefore um, we de deemed it didn't meet the criteria to rise the control finding to a level of material weakness, and so we left the finding at a significant deficiency. That's pretty much it for uh, my slide deck. I did, and I'm, I'm happy to take questions. Um, the last slide is pretty much just my contact information and also uh, that of Brian Connor, the engagement partner for the audit, uh, both the financial statement audit and the single audit. Thank you. John, just one Do question. Do have any questions? Or? Yeah, this is, this is Kim. So um, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that we did have that deficit and we are looking, or that deficiency, and we are looking at how we might prevent anything like that from happening in the future. So thank you. And then the second, uh, or actually the first question I have is there was uh, a wording issue, correct, that uh, we needed to change in the single audit report? And I'm, I'm thinking that in the current report, we have addressed that. Are you referring to the um, the wording, the use of the word significant deficiency on the, the findings page? Or are you talking no, about a separate, like a se okay. completely separate issue. It was something that uh, that was brought up that needed to be retrofied since last year, I believe. Um, so with the health center cluster is the current in the current audit, and so that previously had described the training program, and so that that was addressed. Was addressed. Okay, great. Thank you. I just wanted to be sure. Um, hi, this is uh, Mark. Um, I wanted to ask, um, you were talking about um, this is a program that is not, um, if I remember correctly, is not annually audit, um, audited. And I'm just wondering, um, was there any discussion going forward about actually um, um, a possible timeline in terms of uh, in the future of of a timeline in which uh, auditing uh, or single audits would be performed um, 
uh, closer together or or more often. Let's put it that way. So the uh, the way the the single audit act of 1984 was designed, it was uh, the, the purpose is really to rotate the audits that don't automatically get audited every year, as does your the Medi-Cal Administrative Activities Program. And so um, it's really based on risk. There's nothing to preclude management from requesting that a particular program get audited more frequently. Um, we do want to make sure that we have coverage. And so uh, absent a requirement from the, the Department of Health and Human Services or any of the other um, you know, major program sources, uh, it would really be the, the, in the best interest to continue to rotate things around. But again, there's no reason to, to, to not uh, require this. As far as required re-auditing, um, because this program did not uh, rise to the level of being determined to be a material weakness or because it did not result in an audit opinion, uh, a modified audit opinion, it's not required to be audited the year after those report findings would have been issued. And so at this point for 2021, it has not been scheduled to be audited. Um, there are a couple of other programs that uh, have a significant risk, for example, provider relief fund being one of those programs that um, will get audited for 2021, um, as well as the, the Medi-Cal Administrative Activities Program. Okay. Well, the reason why I'm asking also is is um, I'm just curious about the def the deficiencies you spoke of. Uh, I mean, uh, it, um, more or less, that means basically uh, there was money lost in the program. Is that correct? I would probably characterize it as the um, the program invoice for the the contract amount, but there wasn't expenditures that met the total contract, and so uh, I would characterize that as that the program actually invoiced the the funding source by you know more than it should have. Oh, okay. I think that one one reminder is that um, the Homeless Health Center scope includes other federal programs uh, and revenue that supports other work across the entire center. So, for example, Medi-Cal administrative activities support some of the work that the health center does. So these other federal funding areas are also important to audit for the health center because this particular grant is really the foundation for us being a health center. But in terms of the funding, it's, it's you know, less than 10% um, of the funding that we receive, or it's about 10% of the funding that we receive for the entire health center program. And so the, you know, the single audit being conducted in a way that's relevant for all of Alameda Health System makes it also relevant for the entire scope of the homeless health center, if that makes, if that makes sense. I think it's, it's also somewhat in our interest as a health center to have other areas of federal funding audited in addition to the, the specific grant that we receive. All right. Okay. Are there any other questions? Again, it's been a it's been a pleasure to uh, be available to present this. Thank you so much. To you, absolutely. Um, if there's nothing else, I will go ahead and log off then.
Thank you very much, John. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a nice evening. John. You too. So this is a, a memo and a policy that we have drafted about accounting for grants. I want to uh, let everyone know that, yes, we're doing this because we want to have the, a policy in place. However, uh, we do plan to modify uh, the way that we are accounting for the grants in the general ledger. And so at that time, we'll want to update this, um, but it goes uh, in support of making sure that we don't have any deficiencies in the future. So uh, for now, we're still pretty manual, which does make it more difficult and um, prone to error. Uh, but uh, attached, I don't know if we, is the policy here in addition to the memo? Yes, the, the policy should be there as well. Um, can you scroll for us, Brenda? This page? Or down? Keep going. More? More? Yeah, you have to go. You have to go <laughs> past the uh, the audit. Yeah, there's the audit there, which John just spoke about. <laughs> And then we attach the new policy. This one? Yeah, there we Yay! go. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to uh, this is the actual policy that, that we're going to put forth and post in policy tech at AHS. Uh, and like I said, we will amend it when we get the grants um, program set up uh, in uh, Lawson. Uh, but uh, I think this achieves all of the requirements, and we uh, would like approval on it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions about it? I was wondering maybe if, um, I don't know if it's more appropriate for Heather and Anne to just speak to one level deeper around the five thousand odd dollars and how this policy particularly addresses that deficiency you know like another level of detail on, on maybe how that happened and how this policy will help correct that i think that might be helpful for the for the cooperative board heather do you want me to answer that i would love for you to answer that Anne. thank you so much yeah not a problem <laughs> Turn my camera on here. Um, okay, so um, we're going to do a couple things, but this policy in particular um, kind of spells out that we are going to, um, which one was it? I think it was that we were going to maintain procedures that assure expenditures relating to the grants are allowable and that we are. Um, going to read each grant agreement and ensure that the steps in preparing the invoicing and the person who is authorizing the invoicing, that it matches up to, to the grant agreement itself. And so, 
in this situation with this current invoicing, the staff member was just doing 112, and I and it was not clearly identified that it needed to be. You couldn't bill more than 112. You had to do a catch-up billing at the end of the year, and so in this policy, it says that we are going to do. A, a, we're going to ensure that we are more compliant with the grant terms for each grant award, not just take, you know, not assume it. And then we're going to have the manager also review it and sign off on it. So in this case here, Anne, is that Heather? So that was, it, it is Heather, but um, I, I'm going to, um, I have hired a new director of accounting and so we will be, you know, having a little bigger oversight out of the accounting department. And that's a little more of, I guess, our swim lane is to look at, you know, the grants and the billing and make sure it all lines up and probably not as much in Heather's swim lane. Um, so it's like I wouldn't be very good managing the clinical, you know, the operations that Heather manages for the homeless grant. So we're going to have the second a secondary review coming out of the accounting department in addition to the operational manager signing off on the invoice. Well, this is Mark. I was just curious, uh, when would you expect that to be completed? When do I expect the transition to happen? The thing? Yes, yes. So the, the director started about three weeks ago. I was going to give her a little time to get her feet wet here. So I was aiming for <laughs> January. I don't want to overwhelm her and have her run out screaming before the holidays. So um, we would probably bring that up in January as things that we're going to move toward in the next six months. Okay. I will say on her behalf as well, though, we did meet today with a crew to right. matching the invoices and how to do so. So your team is, is uh, very, very helpful and is working with us already to get those matches. Um, I also just wanted an additional comment on, you know, this idea that we may, our invoice didn't match um, the expenses within our budget. We've talked frequently about the fact that our homeless health, homeless health center program is more expensive than the county uh, provides funding for. and. In this case, it really is about those things that we identified as budget items and the limits that we put on them, not necessarily the amount that it costs for us to run the program. So in the budget that we provide to the county, as you know, we're saying that we're going to spend specific dollars in these categories, and some of those didn't align, and some of them were significantly over, but we didn't uh, move that money to the line items that would have actually been spent. So, so that is one of the issues. Um, that we'll be addressing as well and working with the county to help get all the things in the right buckets. Okay, that's good. Any other questions? Okay. Linda, can we go back to the next thing here? Yeah, let's see. Here we're on G now, and that's me. <laughs> um, if any of you um, know people that would be 
Loretta, sorry, can I just say thanks to the finance colleagues before we go on to G? I, I, was ho- I didn't realize we were going to jump so quickly to it. I just really wanted to say thanks to Kimberly and Anne and, and for all the work that it's taken to, um, to sort through these things. I think it's really challenging to do these braided programs, and we just really appreciate mm-hmm. the work that they've done and, um, and them joining us tonight to explain some of that complexity. But thank you. You're welcome, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to participate in the meeting tonight. Uh, I think we lost Ann there, but uh, no, I'm still here. <laughs> Ann uh, Messer uh, and, and Heather really do carry a, a, a big burden in, in getting all this work done. So thank you to both of them. Thanks for that, Loretta. Sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so um, going back to item G, uh, if you, if anyone on the board knows of people that you think would be, um, uh, you know, good quality people to to serve on the board, we we're trying to increase. This is correct, Heather. We need to have a certain percentage of patients. Is that correct, Heather? Sure, I can I can help here. So we have um, some certain rules that we have to follow for our yeah. board, which includes that we have to have a minimum nine member, and um, with a nine member board, if any board member resigns, that would make it us uh, out of compliance yeah. right away. So right now we have nine members. I mean, in addition to the nine member minimum. We also have a 51% majority patient um, majority requirement. So anytime we add um, a member, we need to make sure that we maintain that majority. We also have rules around um, the number of people who work in healthcare that can be on our board, that it's it's a very small amounts are allowed to be on our board so that the, the board is really mm-hmm. intended to be consumer driven and driven by patients and that People who actually receive the services are, are integral in the decision-making and the governance of the health center. And so um, right now, as a nine-member board, we're, we recommend or we're, we'd like to talk to you about recruitment and membership and reaching out to all of you as board members now to um, think through if you have any people that you know that might be good members of the board. Um, and as well, we like to have some people with specific um, expertise. So for example, on our board, um, we may not have as many uh, folks who are strong in finance. And so that might be an area that we would look in particular to find someone with those skills to bring on board. Thank you, Heather, yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there any questions about this? Um, yeah, I, I'm just wondering um, whether or not um, how difficult it will be to recruit people because uh, the important thing to me is if, if we uh, whoever uh, whoever um, I, uh, any of the members um, recruit uh, based on uh, what Heather just said in terms of the requirements, uh, we have to make sure that those people will be uh, more than somewhat committed uh, in order to keep uh, in order to keep uh, keep those members. Am I overstating that, uh, Heather? 
this would be a good time to recruit more members, you could direct us to do some intentional advertising and listing up of the membership opportunity. And then all of those applications get reviewed um, and you all vote on whether or not to accept any of those applicants onto the board. And the applications that come before you would of course be required to meet, make sure that you're still maintaining compliance. So we would only be able to bring to you those that would maintain compliance. And we'd be, we'd be at least providing that information to you so you would know that, that it would maintain compliance with whatever arrangement of new members were coming on as applicants. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, you spoke of advertising. Um, did you have any um, any form in mind or where we should um, have advertising for members? Yeah, so um, I would like to meet with our PACE team. They're the folks who like to put information out on things like uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and any other social media. They also post and help us to design things that are internal for our organization so that even some of our internal um, staff would be able to identify people who they would think are good board members. So I'm thinking both in some internal advertising and external advertising. Okay. Um, I, I only have one more. Um, I was just um, curious as to when um, uh, when should this campaign commence? Back at you, Mark. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I think we're bringing it to you and and bringing up the discussion to see if y'all are in agreement. And you can you can ask again. You can direct us to go ahead and and, and get this moving. Um, and we can bring back reports on how it's going and whether we've received applicants. So pretty much if you say go for it, then we would do so in January. Oh, I see. Okay. Heather, yeah. do you think we should have... Go ahead, Mark. Oh, no. I, one other thing I was going to say, although uh, I never heard it said, and um, just out of curiosity, uh, is there is there a certain limit um, in terms of the number of total number of members we can have because uh, one of my concerns would be for our board to be uh, to uh, to be too large. The limit is 25, um, but something to keep in mind is that you'll have to have a quorum for every meeting. So, you know, the larger that number gets, the larger that quorum number is too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you guys might think through what do you think what you think is um, an ideal number. Um, odd numbers are good numbers. I will add on mm -hmm. like a nine-member board means that when you have five, you have quorum, right? Because you need more than fifty percent. So as soon as you have a ten-member board, you actually need to have six people present, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have an eleven-member board, you still six people mm -hmm. is adequate, right? So. I'm looking at those odd numbers as a good uh, plan, and then it's really whatever you think. If you think an 11-member board is ideal, then we would try to recruit two new members. If you thought um, 13 was better, that's what we would we would be aiming for. Um, I'm 
I myself, just speaking for myself, I think an 11-member board would be fine and um, and see how that fits. And then we could always uh, resume recruiting if we wanted to recruit more. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Mark also. I think 11 is a good number. And Heather, did you want... Um, did you want us to have access to the application so that we could hand them to people we think might be good candidates? Absolutely, Beretta. Everybody has access to the application because it's a public application online. So likely what we do if we go into a recruiting recruitment phase is we, we just get that in your hands a little more easily by sending okay. a maybe link to that. We can also send paper copies to you if you'd like as well. So we are looking for you to help with the recruitment process. Again, mm -hmm. if you identify or know of someone who you think would be a good member, to help talk to them and answer questions that they might have about being a board member, um, for sure. Um, and we, But we would also be supportive of efforts. Yeah. Okay, great. You can you can retweet or, or re repost whatever our pace team you know makes pretty for us for our recruitment right. for example right so things like that are super helpful and people who see that you're a member and then they ask you questions about it so if you're on social media and we get those links um, we'll try to have you connect to those and share them with your um, networks you know where I where I see a lot of conversation is on Nextdoor. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, lots and lots of people um, in my general area where I live are interested in the homeless and what they're doing and how they can help. And so, thanks, Loretta, for that reminder about yeah. next door. Yeah, it's a very good app. Okay, any other comments or questions? Okay. We'll oh, oh well, I'm sorry, Loretta. It's okay, oh, sorry. Mark. Yeah, sorry for sorry for the last minute. Um, so, um, Heather, I'm just uh, just to get it straight. Um, are you asking us to, to actually adopt something tonight in regards to uh, membership drive? Oh, we don't need um, an action item on this. This no. is you know a discussion that you have that you've said it's important to recruit. This is part of like what we do anyways. We just wanted to bring it and highlight your attention and bring your attention to it and to let you know that we're going to be potentially working on it. And it sounds like you concur that that's a good idea. So you'll be seeing more from us on that. So that you can <laughs> but no, there's no action I need. Oh, okay. I think the one thing potentially worth hearing more of is if, uh, I, I would say in my conversations with Heather, um, aiming for a board of around 11 seems to make sense to us in that um, it, it means, you know, if we have turnover as we've had, we are not immediately out of compliance. Um, but it keeps the board relatively small, which I think, you know, given the staff size, I think, and the complexity of the program, um, I already feel like I would like to have more time to be able to engage with each of you and, and for the, us as the staff in general, like Heather and myself and Brenda, to, you know, talk through the program complexity, et cetera. And I think the higher the ratio is of board members to staff, the harder that gets to do, as well as it gets harder to manage the larger meetings. 
So I think I would say, you know, from a staff perspective, 11 also sounds pretty, pretty good to us. But if there are people who have differing opinions among the other board members who haven't spoken yet, it would be really helpful to hear those as well.
that is my report for today. Does anybody have any questions? I have one question, Heather. Um, was the money from um, Proposition W, we were supposed to get some of that, correct? When you say we, you're, are you referring to Alameda Health System? Me, me. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I really, I can't speak to that. I, that's not my area of expertise. Um, Measure um, W funding was dedicated primarily toward housing, but also toward services. Uh -huh. And that's across all the providers of services in the county. Um, there was supposed to be an oversight board established um, and, uh, and you know the revenue um, being allocated and, and contracted out or, or applied right. to services and, and sports, but um, we're not aware of anything that's happened. And I think um, I've sent several questions to um, Director Abbott about that, who was here from the Office of Homeless Care Coordination, and um, haven't really received any information about what's happening. I think it was a very close vote, and I think there are some groups that um, still believe that it isn't necessarily um, legal. And so there there may be legal challenges to measure uh, to W. But, yeah, but I'm not I'm not sure of that. I don't I haven't seen any specific communications about that. And so it's really important thing to mm -hmm. keep our um, keep our eye on the ball about. And I think the next time we have Director Abbott here, we may want to ask her um, about that in, in more detail. Okay. Thank you. Any comments or questions? Hey, Brenda Kai, I'm James Eastermitch. Okay, so um, we are, can you this correct? We're going into our closed session now. That's correct. So the closed session is in regard to pending litigation, um, Alameda Health System v. Department of Healthcare Services. The public is allowed to, if they'd like, comment on the topic of the closed session at this point, um, but if not, we'll enter and then we'll reconvene once closed session ends. Okay. So this is a pending litigation right now, AHS versus the Department of Healthcare Services? That's correct, and that will be discussed in closed session. Okay. So if there are no members of the public, um, Heather, I believe you were gonna move us into breakout rooms. Please. Thanks so much. I do need to um, just do a quick check on um, the person who's last three digits of their phone number. It's a 510 number and their last digits are 714. That's me, Catherine Horner. Thanks oh, thank you. Thank you, Catherine. All right. You're, thank you're not, you. I love to rename you. They should have checked that one. All right, and I'll be setting up a breakout room. One moment. Thank you. I'm going to assign you manually. Um, so uh, one moment, um, I'm going to put you all in the room.
problem. I don't think I lost anybody in the other room. <laughs> um, um, should we have public comment today? Um, Heather? Do you know? I see no members of the public but one, and I think she's going to remain quiet. <laughs> okay. Okay, are there any comments from any of the board members? Uh, not at this time. Okay, thank you, Mark. Yeah, I don't have any. Yeah. Okay, Jen, let me see. This is our time here. Oh, we're early. Um, so all the meetings adjourned at seven twelve. And um, I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday. However you celebrate. Thanks yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good night, everyone.